0: Well, hello, trail friends, and welcome to the first episode of the Peak to Peak podcast. This is actually going to be episode zero, and we have a very special episode zero for you today. My name is James. I'm joining you from not sunny Bothell, Washington, which is a small suburb of Seattle, Washington. And you can remember that it's called Bothell because it sounds a lot like pothole and it's about as remarkable as a pothole as well. I'm joined today by my co-host and co-founder of Second Wind Trail Running. His name is Sean. He's joining us from sunny, beautiful San Diego on this voluptuous Sunday morning. Hello, Sean, how are you? I'm doing great, how are you? I'm doing well. So today, we're gonna dig into a few things, but the main thing that we wanna cover is who we are why we're doing this podcast. And we wanna tell some stories. We wanna tell some funny stories about how we got to exactly where we are. And I think we should do that by telling a little bit about ourselves. Sean, who are you? I'm a
1: guy from, um, I guess the, it kinda starts off by, uh, I uh, moved to, I used to live in Arizona. I moved to uh, Bothell, Washington about uh Oh, I guess I'm not there anymore, but uh <laughs> I was living there in the uh the 2000 to 2006 time frame. Um been running for a long time. We got a wife, two kids, I guess that's the most important part about me. Uh I'm a I am a avid computer. I'm not a super fond of running itself. Um, which I think there's a, there's a combination of those people out there where you're just like, you, you're, you're okay at running. you like to be competitive, but you don't necessarily like the training that is required into becoming more competitive. So that's kind of where I I'm sit
0: a, on the running spectrum. I'm a hundred percent sure you're not the only one. And, uh, you and I both know that we got into running through cross country originally. Yep. Meadowdale high school. We had coach Marv who we should get on the podcast. Yeah. So how, how did we meet exactly? Why don't you tell me your version of the story? Because I have a feeling based on our personalities, we're going to have a little bit of a different idea of how that story all went down.
1: Yeah. So, um, I remember it was a sunny day. I remember it was a hot day, which is not, it's in perspective for Buffalo. It was probably like 70 degrees
0: maybe super hot
1: on a high like on the high but I remember just it was my first day pretty much of running in general it was I think it was summer training too and uh coach bar was having like a summer easy run day so we're talking maybe a mile and a half two miles I think might have been a full 5k
0: but it couldn't have been more than that we did the Albertsons run that day and I want to say that was three or four miles something like that
1: Okay. Well, regardless, my body's was was only at a level in which I ran one mile. <laughs> um, and uh, I, not that I couldn't run and not that I couldn't do those things, but I just didn't like doing them. So because uh, I was physically fit at this point, I was doing uh, uh, competitive uh, athletics outside of running. And uh,
0: <laughs> I was... Uh, competitive uh, athletics, was, huh?
1: Uh, yeah, I did competitive roller skating for about, uh,
0: about five or six years. So but anyhow, and, uh, and how many times were you the national champion again? How many, uh, I was how a any-
1: national champion twice.
0: So mm-hmm. I won the,
1: mm-hmm. uh, junior Olympic, uh, a uh, C category. And then it changed to what's called a, a freshman sophomore B event. And I competed in the freshman or the sophomore a event and took third, I believe. In that third or fourth and i competed in pairs and precision skating i competed on the u.s world team in rome in 2005 i qualified for the 2006 and 2007 um world championships as well actually i think i competed on the 2006 world team and i was part of the qualification for the 2005 team something like that three world teams i think it was five six and seven or six seven eight i can't really remember but um, Yeah. Back to, back to running. Uh, I got into running because I had a friend and his name was Steve Reidman and he was a very competitive runner up at Kamiak. And, uh, I really liked him and he's, he, he did cross country. So I kinda, I had run cross country in like sixth grade with my sister and I was like, yeah, I could do this again. And, and then, uh, showed up that first day and, uh, Coach Marv was like, well, your grades suck, so you can't actually compete, which is actually one of the things that turned around me uh, academically as well as the ability to compete on the team. And so we went for a run. And uh, I think I started out slow and then worked my way up through the pack. I don't, which I I believe I just was like, I don't want to look like an idiot here. Um, so I started and I started catching up to people and then I realized I was going faster than I probably should be going. And I met you and I started just talking to you and you were like, why is this guy talking to me? And the Albertsons run actually ran right by my house. And so uh, I I was like, bro, do you want to get a glass of water? And I could tell that you weren't nearly as tired or as parched as I was, but you were game. You were like, yeah, I want some water as long as it's on the way. And for me, it wasn't like, hey, let's go grab a water. It was, hey, this is my house. We're done.
0: (laughs) So, uh, I have a feeling, I don't remember exactly what my motives were, but I want to say there was a combination of I don't really know anyone this was this was my freshman summer so i hadn't even started high school yet so i was transitioning from middle school to high school and didn't know anyone on the team really and so there was this dude talking to me and i have zero social skills whatsoever and i was like oh someone's talking to me maybe they'll be my friend but I didn't know how to make friends. So I was like, well, whatever he wants to do, I should probably go along with it because hmm. that increases my chance of us yeah, ending I mean, up friends.
1: Right. Yeah, that makes yeah, sense. I
0: didn't want to... But I'm sure part of me, based on my brain, was like, nah, I, I think we should finish this run. I don't think there was any part of my brain that said we're done here i think it was like hey let's indulge no, this guy absolutely. and then let's get back out on the the course and finish it up the way i sold it was not hey we should stop
1: the way i sold it was "Let check out my house this is who i am let's go grab some water real quick and then we'll be back out there but once i got home i was like oh i'm done
0: i'm home i'm yeah. done and i'm sure to me i was like well i have to get back to the school because that's how i get home from here so it was never an option in my brain but yeah, you, you weren't home. <laughs> that's true, that's true. So I think uh, from there, we kinda just started being friends. I think we were acquainted with well, each we other. Well, we weren't each friends at
1: first. I latched on to you and right. said, this is my new buddy. And you were like, could you please stop taking my stuff from me?
0: Well, oh. yeah. yeah, 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 So there's, a, you, have a, you had a tendency to borrow things uh, forcefully, not like bullying, but definitely manipulatively. Like, no, I'll just, what? I'll just bring this back. I'll, I'll, just, never I'll just borrow this and bring it back. And I was like, I don't know if that's a good idea. And you would just say, yeah, it's a great idea. It's I'll great show idea. you how. And then things. you just borrow it. Yeah, exactly. But again, the fact that I had little ability to socialize at that time in my life, and to a certain extent still now today, uh, that allowed us to become friends. And over the course of years, we actually grew to tolerate each other, which is great.
1: Yeah, and I think that the other thing too is is that during the, my so, at the end of my sophomore year, I basically decided that I was gonna campaign my junior year to becoming the captain of the cross country team my senior year. And uh, so what that took was is that I, inevitably had to get better and so i think that the, there was a big difference in the way that i trained and how i was competing and uh we you know i my junior year i i was running like sub 18 which was a varsity letter at for for mars program and so i lettered. this my is for 5k year. of course
0: huh this is for 5k of course yeah 5k in american um, high school
1: yeah, 5K, and uh, I know that uh, I started running track and field. I think the end of my sophomore year, Marv, was like, you should probably run the 800, the mile, and the mile, or the two-mile. And I was – I I really didn't want to. There's <laughs> it's just something about running around the track, but it it, it did well for me. I mean, we, we, we had a pretty good bout about that. I know that, uh, like, my uh, – you're t- – sophomore junior junior year was my senior did you letter your junior year?
0: I have no idea. That's so long no ago, man.
1: Yeah. Well these are the things that I used as stepping stones to get better, I guess. And um mm. my senior year, uh I was shooting to go to two we were four we switched from three A to four A, which is like a whole different running category in the state of Washington. And so whereas I would have been competitively had a shot at going to state my senior year in three a there was no way uh i could make it the f- f- my senior year so my senior year i kind of kind of just got to enjoy running you know and it was the first time where i i was i, I had a, an entire year of me working doing double double workouts every day so i would have a uh, cross-country practice i'd do a morning run and had cross-country practice during the afternoon and then i'd go straight to skating practice um so i mean i was training all the time and uh my senior year i just focused on uh just focused on skating for the most part and just kept uh showing up uh my senior year to practice so i think that that led to me uh during a time i joined the navy and uh six years of doing that um and i kind of got fat for a while like i i just became like overweight but not like not overweight in the sense that other people are but just like military standard overweight. I was on this cusp of what's called body fat, your, your BMI, your body mass index. Um, the Navy has like a certain way of of tracking that. And I was like within one pound of needing to get taped for a year. And, uh, I don't remember. I got to, I was on my, my, uh, I want to say it was the second deployment. And, uh, I had this guy that said, uh, he called me 82 tubs once. And I was, we were, I was friends with this guy and he was like, I was like, what did you say to me? He goes, I'm only going to say it once, but someone has to let you know, man, you're letting yourself go. And, uh, about that same time, I had a friend named Evan Cortez that, uh, he was with a different squadron, but he had been forced to come out to the boat. And, uh, so he started me working out. So I started weightlifting actually in the first three months of that cruise. And then, uh, I got in really great shape. My body like. My body fat percentage was probably around 10%, 9%, um, which is probably the lowest I've ever had. And uh, at the very end of that, uh, there's, or in the middle of cruise, we picked up a guy named Eighty One one Fink, and he's the guy that uh, ultimately introduced me to becoming vegan. Um, and so I picked up uh, those characteristics. I pretty much was on an all-plant-based diet, except for uh, when the boat came in with uh, cottage cheese, fresh cottage cheese I'd eat that cause it had casing protein in it, which is a slow release protein cause I was still working out at the time. And then I was taking, uh, I would eat, uh, the tuna that came in with the boat. So outside of that, I was pretty much all plant-based and I was eating nuts and granola and, uh, he gave me this book, uh, which kind of led to the ultra.
0: I was going to say, is he the same one who gave you the, the Scott Jarek book?
1: so the first book he gave me was ultra marathon man and when we were in high school that's when dean carnassus was doing all of his stuff and so i had known that he had done the desert runs and running in antarctica and, the, and those kinds of things um and i remember uh alex whiff he had been uh he he was the one that like introduced me to dean carnassus And so, uh, when he said, this is Dean Karnazes, book, I was like, oh yeah, I remember that guy. And I remember reading this book and seeing there's a, there is an elevation profile of the Western states in comparison to, uh, the Boston marathon in there. And I'd never really been um, like interested in running marathons. But when I saw that, that race profile, I went, oh, this is a real thing. Like people run in the mountains and. cross tens of thousands of feet of elevation for a for an award at the end of it. And uh uh there was happened to be right after that. And and you know, if I'm talking if I'm long winded, please let me know. But, uh, you know, we had uh we had um a half mara- a half marathon marathon challenge on the boat and the shirt was cool and uh I ran a <laughs>
0: it was that's why we all do it
1: right we do it for the cool that's shirts that's why we do this. some people do this mm-hmm. because they want to feel a sense of accomplishment and feel progression and growth I do it for the shirts the medals and the buckles <laughs> um, uh. just kidding but there, there is an element to um, wanting to have something for me have is something that articulates the journey that or the journey that I went through that can potentially live longer than me I'm sure that when I'm long gone my kids will see these belt buckles and the cds uh shirts and these medals, and go can we just throw this crap away please (laughs) and um or you know it might just go in a box and it'll be oh this was this is what your grandfather did your great grandfather did but uh, i like the shirt um i had just finished reading uh um dean karnas's book and i i kind of was like well i used to run cross country how 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 bad could i be i mean i'm in the best shape of my life uh, lifting weights. And so I ran this half, it was a, it was on a treadmill it was in the middle of the Persian Gulf and start at midnight. And, uh, I ran my first half marathon and I did that in an hour and a half, I think it was sub one thirty. Um, obviously the treadmill does the working for you. I think I jumped off the treadmill, uh, you know, with your feet kind of separated once, uh, for, uh, uh-uh. uh, maybe 10, 15 seconds, but there are other people running with me. So I had that accountability of, of continuing to finish it out about it.
0: controversy what did he actually finish the half marathon we may never know did we may never know 13.1 miles but it's what or did um
1: you? it's what got me to run i got off the boat i did that like i think in um october and then in Nov uh or at maybe the end the beginning of november something like that and then uh i decided i was going to sign up for the western states after that half marathon and uh sounds
0: about right to me <laughs>
1: And so I, I looked at the schedule and I said, okay, I can't sign up for it. I need a qualifier. What's a qualifier in Washington state. And I signed up for capital peak 50 miler. Um, and I, I was like, this is my qualifier. And it was back then you had to, I think it was like, you had to run a 50 miler in 12 hours in order to qualify for Western states. Um, and so I just made the decision that that's what I was going to do. And uh, I was like, well, I don't even know if I can run 100 miles, let alone 50, let alone 26. So um, that year, uh, this, like I think three, I had two weeks until the Seattle Amica half marathon. Um, and I ran that. And I want to say I ran that in hour 38. Um, and uh, I was like, man, I'm fast. Like I thought I was faster than I was. Like I thought an hour 30 was like. Pretty doggone good, and then I, it's like you find out that there are people that can run. My half marathon time was almost like a half an hour or more. People were doubling my distance. I would have got lapped for sure, you know, with the two two out two hour two out two o two marathon finishers. And so I ran that, and then about two weeks later, I ran uh, the You Can Do It uh, full marathon with my brother, who had not run at all. He was going through aircrew training. We both signed up for this marathon. We get down to the to, to the halfway mark. I want to say we got down there in like an hour and a half around that time, maybe a little bit faster. Um, but it took us about four and a half hours to finish the marathon because we um, I switched to some brand new minimalist shoes from some cushioned shoes. and It was an all-road race, all race, and I messed up. I inflamed my IT band, and so we are kind of hobbling uh, back. And if you don't know Kyle, he's kind of a germaphobe. I think that's the best way to describe him. And he, uh, he saw this cliff bar on the ground and he just grabs his cliff bar, and just starts to mount. It was still <laughs> in the package, but he starts mowing down on this cliff bar, like a, like a, like a rabbit, uh, food deprived dog, man. And I, I remember just, I was starving and I kind of just looked at him and you could tell he didn't want to share the bar with me, but he, uh, he was like, do you, do you want a piece of this? And I was like, yeah, I want a piece of that. Um, and so that was kind of my marathon. Um, I, at that point, uh, realized that I had some high in the pie sky goals, of trying to run, I'm I'm not trained, I'm not running during this time. I'm lifting weights. That's all I'm doing. I, I'm not, I'm not going out and putting in the miles and doing the work and training my body. I'm just going to the gym and working out.
0: Well, I mean, I think to frame that at this point you had read a book and were like, that sounds cool. You hadn't like done research on training plans or what people do or how long you should be training for these things. So yeah,
1: yeah, there's no, there's, there's no, there's not a big expectation
0: there to know. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. There's
1: no connection in
0: my brain on, on
1: the work that needs to be a social, uh, I ran an hour and a half and I was like mar- half marathon I go, Yeah, I got this. Not a big deal. But running the the first marathon that I ran it was all flat too, um, and I was like, okay, this is this is for real like I finished I finished in four and a half hours or something like that, but it was like and this, this is two weeks of,
0: after your first half marathon is that we said Two weeks later after your first yeah it was either
1: I think the it was the first week of December is uh is the Seattle amica and then you can do it is the last it's like the last weekend of december
0: um so then when when did you run your first ultra marathon (laughs) so i took i took the entire so it
1: bands pulled i go i'm not gonna run another mile until my first 50k um to give myself well, what a most proper do, amount yeah. of rest, which I want to say it was like the f- first week of February or maybe second week of February.
0: So about a month. About a okay. month.
1: Yeah. I took about a month off and um, <laughs> I run uh, the Cedar Woolly 50K and I take fourth. And you did well there. For men. I
0: was going to say. Yeah.
1: Fourth for men. Um, and, uh, but I'm like hobbling through this thing because my IT band is just messed up. And that's when I met uh, John and Lynn Shark and Mike Bloom. And at this point, I, I I have come to the realization that I'm in trouble. I needed to get a 50K under my belt. And I decided that I was gonna sign up for this 100 mile uh, race called Badger Mountain Challenge, or the Badger Mountain 100 miler um, endurance challenge. Um, and I was like, well, if I can run half of this, the 50 miles, then I'll have kind of an accurate assessment on where I'm at and what I need to do to get myself into Capitol peak and run it in sub 12 and qualify for Western States. So that was kind of where I put those things together and I was running with John and he had run Leadville a couple of times. And, uh, most, most people know the sharks they are just the most awesome survey people. And, um, they just take care of, uh, uh, they take care of the little, little birds that fly too far from the nest, I guess. Um, and, and they help out really good runners too. But uh, I was definitely uh, they passed me, and I was watching them, and I I was like, oh gosh, I got I got taken by more people because I'm competitive at this point. I was in fourth place, and then I was in sixth place, and it was these thoughts were running through my head as I'm like hobbling through with a broken IT band and uh, or an inflamed IT band, and uh, then they stopped running, and that was my first introduction to interval running they would run for four minutes and they'd, they'd walk for a minute. Um, and this also was like, they had just done, I want to say they did like a, a half, mar- a full marathon or a 50 K with some serious gain the day before. And they were running a second, um, you know, 50 K the next day. So they were actually training for things and, um, uh, they picked me up. So I basically saw them stop and I went, Oh, I could run, I could run for a little bit. I just can't run for long periods of time because I couldn't handle the amount of discomfort in my knee from the IT band. So I was like, "Hey, would you guys mind if I ran with you?" And just in Schonckay's fashion, I started talking to him, and uh, I, I kind of, I, I kind of articulated the story that I am right now to John, and he basically was like, "Hold up, you're going to go from half marathon to a hundred miler in three months?" And I was like yeah, that makes sense. He's like, that is the craziest thing. And he's like, bro, you stick with me and I'll make sure you finish and get a buckle. And that's kind of where that friendship was formed and he was like, what's your training schedule look like? And I was like, oh, I don't. So I started talking about my workout, like my lifting schedule and he's like, no, 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 like you're running, you're running training. And I was like, Oh, I'm not I'm not running.
0: I think all great achievements have a level of uh, ignorance associated with them. Everyone who sets out to do something great really has no idea what they're trying to do when they do it. And they say, I'm just going to do this and we'll see how it goes. Yeah.
1: Um, and so he kind of was like, he had these mandatory things that I had to do. They, they weren't like you have to do these things. It was more like, bro, if you're gonna actually finish, you need to do X, Y, and Z. And one of them was I had to run Chuckanut, but I had to take eight hours to run Chuckanut because he's like, you have never been on your feet longer than,
0: you know. Yeah, the goal the goal but, wasn't to finish quickly. It was to have time on feet. Yeah, it wasn't about have, the race performance. Which I
1: did. I think I finished. I, I want to say I finished like eight, eight hours, ten minutes. Eight hours, sixteen minutes. Something like that. I was out there the whole time. Um, and uh, the other thing, too, is, is that he would schedule these weekend training runs. And it was highly recommended that I get to him. And they had some gain in them. And I was getting rocked, man. And I, I, I remember just being like, oh, my God, how am I supposed to? And that's how I learned how to walk uphill. It's how I learned to use trekking poles. It's funny because the first three or four times I used the trekking poles, I had collapsible ones. And then the last part of these collapse the ones you're supposed to pull the handle up and that locks everything into place the first like five six times I used them I did not do that so I was like these things are garbage they're always falling apart and they don't work well and uh so then I ran um, Badger Mountain no I ran Chuck and I took eight hours to basically do that and then I think two weeks later was uh, was Badger man and that was my first uh, first hundred. So I went from fifty k to hundred, and uh, it ha- I think it has fourteen or sixteen thousand feet of gain. It's not an incredibly difficult race. Um, it's a lollipop. Um, it had this house. Ha- it, it's it's different now. I think it's a two loop fifty miler. But at the time, it had this. Uh, it had a uh, a house at the end at the turnaround, where they had like an actual toilet you could use, and like sink. Someone like donated their like. I want to say it was like a twenty-eight or three thousand square foot home. Open up the garage, set up some picnic tables. They had pizza laid out, and at this point, I, I'm I'm still doing a, a vegan-based diet, but they had pizza there, like cheese pizza. and I'm just mowing down on this this uh, this pizza because I'm just dying out there. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I remember we took I took the early start so I'd have an additional hour. To, to do the race so there's a 32 hour cutoff for that race and we had 33 hours i finished in 31:45, uh so i i still would have made the cutoff but uh lynn finished i think in 31:59. it's like that's <laughs> impressive it's it's pretty impressive but we were also like an hour ahead of, we had an extra i was looking through this because i wanted to do the story right and i realized that in my mind i when I kept talking to uh, uh, John John Shark uh, set up up a crew and Debbie Kawasaki was in that and we picked up Debbie at like mile 50 and uh, it was a mile 50 we had a guy named Mike Bloom running with us who's a great guy too who I've been training with and uh, he basically rolled his ankle three times in three separate different ways he's a US Army Ranger so he was just like i'm finishing this i don't care what anybody says and what happened was is there was so much swelling in his ankle that the the tenant like just the tenant is was connected to a i, I don't know the entirety of the story but this is the way i remember it going down is that there's so much pressure and so much swelling in his foot that it, the tenant basically couldn't hold on to it and ripped a small shard of his bone off and sounds miserable. It was, t- yeah. I mean, I saw him sprain it at least once. I'm like, Oh God, he's done. And he just kept running and that was like mile, like 10. <laughs> so, uh, like mile, f- yeah, mile 50. We lost him. We lost John and I picked up Debbie and by all intents and purposes, I didn't think Debbie liked me at all. Um, which if you get to know Debbie, um, that's she's just like the most straightforward, honest human being I probably have ever met. But she's got like this. Like I also was the jerk that thought he was going to run a hundred miler with zero training. Um, there was a good chance that I, at anybody that's towed that line, I was the guy that, that wasn't going to make it. Um, and so we would start running, and I like we went to a pre-race brief uh, that John put on a couple of weeks before that, and they kept saying, "Hey, make sure you bring your baby wipes." We went through like a, a must-haves on the course. And, uh, he kept saying, and if you run out of baby wipes, don't worry about it. We're going to have extras. So in my mind, and uh, like, he basically, like the way it was framed to me, it was that I didn't need to bring my own baby wipes. So I didn't, and we get like 75, 80 miles into it. I know maybe 68, somewhere in that range. And I'm like, oh, I gotta, I gotta go to the bathroom. And it occurred to me for the first time where do I go to the bathroom and then how do I clean up my mess? And so I've, I picked up this, like, and she's, I would say is like, she runs, she's a Boston qualifier, um, runner. Uh, So I turn to this like elite based runner and I go, Hey, like a gal I, I know two days, I knew her from the, the day before I met her for the first time. And now, now running with her, I go, Hey, uh, where am i supposed to go poop (laughs) yeah like i have no idea what i'm doing out there right and so she's like oh you clean up with baby wipes Like, well John said he would provide them so now she has to like give me some of her you know and i like i'm doing everything wrong man i I feel terrible looking back on it like i wish i had spent the time to learn but um yeah that's probably
0: what created her disposition towards you in the beginning yeah she probably had that experience it was like okay this is how this is going to go with this guy
1: yeah so i i run we get to like a mile so in the time between that point and the end of the race uh debbie and i have become like i would say good friends like like we we've sung journey together we've we've shared gels she's given me some of her water all these things uh And we get to like mile 80 and this whole time I'm struggling, but I, I know I have more in the tank and I just, we're, we're riding these, these cutoffs really close. And so we get to like mile 80 and we're walking and I'm walking with her and I go, Hey, are we still good? And she basically the whole time up until this point, she's like, yep, we're still good. We're still on track. Everything's going great. And she turns to me and she goes no if you don't go now you're not going to make it anymore and lynn was a little bit behind us so i like i I'm, I'm like laying down on the ground asking this question and she's like no if you don't go you're done and so i get up and i'm like mindset changes i'm all out i'm sprinting i'm running through the through the valleys and up the mountains and to be honest i was pr- i probably switched from like a 16 minute mile pace to like a 13 minute mile pace but in my brain, I was all out, I was, I was running sub I've never run this fast in track. I could run a sub five hour marathon today. I was running a three hour marathon or a three hour mile. Like that's, that's the, the gear in which my brain shifted. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just, uh, I wasn't running that fast, but, uh, the last, I want to say the last two miles, you can pick up a pacer. You, you can have patience the whole race, but at the, there's like a point in which I picked up Savannah for like the last two miles. And so I got there on the last two miles in and I just, uh, I got to the end and you saw that clock said 31, uh, 45. Um, and technically we had, we had, uh, an extra hour. Um, but the clock that, that I had, actually, I think the clock said 30, 45. But technically, I think I had been out there for 31 hours and 45 minutes. So, uh, I finished that race and I was destroyed. I, I like my body went into shock. I was just sweating for like three days, and then I said, "I think that's." I got a buckle, and I was like, "I think I've done what I set out here to do." And then about a month later, I ran Capital Peak 50 Miler, um, and I was I was still struggling with a lot of different injuries that I accumulated from uh badger. And so I think I ran that in like 13 hours and some change, but not Western States qualification. And so I took that as an opportunity to kind of shift my mindset and I started training, not like a normal person that runs, um, hundred mile ultra marathons, but someone that runs, uh, you know, marathons, I would say not like an avid marathon runner, but someone that runs marathons occasionally. So and you're training uh,
0: probably four or five days a week. Yeah, four least. or five
1: days a week I was running and I was I was probably putting in about, uh, I'd say I was doing maybe 50, 60 miles um, a week, but I was doing like 30 miles on Saturday and 10 to 14 on, on Sunday. And then I was doing one or two or three or four miles on weekdays, um, usually taking Mondays off from the double run and taking Fridays off before the, the two run. But, um, I ended up doing pine to Palm that year. I think that was the year I did pine to Palm. And I, I ran that in, uh, 25 hours, 26 hours, something like that. I took a two hour nap in the middle of the race, which was great. I was so, I I came in, um, I was, John was on Wasatch time. I wasn't really keeping up on my nutrition. And there's some other stuff that was going on in that capacity but i ended up running that in like uh yeah i probably could have run it sub 24 if i had known where i was at and i had paced myself a little bit better but uh you know a five hour pr off of my race for sure uh in just a matter of six months from training and then uh i qualified for western states and that's kind of was the goal and i never have uh gotten in but i've run qualifiers and i've put my hat in a bunch of times but uh I hear that's kind of just how the story goes, you know?
0: Absolutely. So what year was this that you ran Pine to Palm?
1: I want to say I got out of the Navy in 2013. So I want to say that that was 2013 that I ran Pine to Palm. 2013, 2014. I took it. I stopped running almost in its entirety after that. Like I hit up uh, a couple races here and there, um, but not you know i i think in my mind i was like oh i'm gonna get into western states and everything's gonna be kosh and then i didn't get in and i was like and then people started telling me like you're not you're not ever gonna get into the western states like people just don't you have to qualify And, and at that point i think uh that was 2014 is the year that i didn't get into western states i ran I ran some other races. I ran, I reran Cedar Woolley 50K. And I think I took second that year in that race. And then I ran some other races here and there. I, I don't, I want to say, I don't think I ran another 100 miler that next year. Um, and then 2015, I think I ran Cascade Crest 100. But I hadn't run from the point in which I stopped running to Cascade Crest, I just happened to get in, and because uh, that's a lottery-based system too, and it's easier to get in the Cascade Crest, I think. But it's still like there's a good chance you might not get in. Um, but I did a lot of volunteering during that time, and I really enjoyed actually just helping out at aid stations. And I think the next year I spent more time uh, helping out at races than I did actually running them. I ran a fat 100K, uh, Baker Lake 100K. It was just one year that they did that, and uh, they had a buckle. And, uh, Terry Sentinella. uh, Sentinella is, uh, uh, the race director for that series. And we became friends, uh, through John shark. Um, and I started helping out at some of his races and I kind of was like, Hey, what would it take for me to be a race director? And he kind of let me shadow him for a while on some of his races that he put on Baker Lake being one of them. And I got to see how aid stations were put together. I just kind of started putting myself into that fold. And then in 2015, I ran Cascade Crest. I want to say it's 2015, I ran Cascade Crest. Um, or maybe it was 2006, uh, 14. But then I just stopped. Um, I basically, I, I got into Angeles Crest, actually. I got into Angeles Crest in uh, 2017 or 2000. I was still trying to get in these races. I ran Badger 50 uh, miler. Uh, one of those years, cause it was going to be a hundred miler, but then I ran it. I hadn't been training. I kind of would bump races to keep me at least relatively in shape, um, to do these races and compete. But I just, um, or just to keep Western States qualifiers up or hard rock. I was interested in running the hard rock too, but I also did not get into that race. Um, and, uh, I've applied to Leadville every year. I haven't gotten to that one. Um. But uh, the whole point I was making there was it's like, I think from 2015, I maybe ran or 2016, maybe ran one race
0: at all until Bandera. Until Bandera. Yeah. Uh, So that's like, that's a, it's an extensive recap. I I mean, I feel like you have been running throughout that time, but... The funny thing that stands out to me about that is that you can go into such great detail about all these things, and it's not just about your experiences. It's about you interacting with other people. You know like their times. You know who they are. You know what races they've run in the past, and there's a lot of detail in there, and your brain just gravitates towards those things, and I'm listening to these stories, and I'm thinking like, well, now now I I feel like I kind of have to tell about my my introduction into running and into ultra marathons. And the central theme of it, of course, is that a lot of my exposure to it has been through you and that has piqued my interest, but I don't know who any of these people are. Like I, I've, I've grown to know them through the stories that you've told and they are like interesting stories. And that's part of I think part of how you learn is by going through things and failing and making mistakes and just like trying things. And that's what creates these stories for you. And so now I'm thinking to myself like, well, let's, how would I describe my first ultra marathon? And I'm like, yeah, I I bonked a little bit, but for the most part, it was a pretty flawless race. Like I didn't really have too much issue with it. It was, because were training. It was, it was, well, yeah, that's, that's, yeah, that's the part. You're of putting in the work. That story. Yeah. I, it was, uh, I, it wasn't too long ago. I think it was 2018 maybe, uh, or to the, yeah, I don't remember. It was recently. It was very recently. It was the Y East Howl 50K. And when I made the well, decision hold, hold on, to run hold on. it.
1: I think a better, let me just, <laughs> let me, let's set the stage here. And that is your first marathon. And I think that that becomes where we both actually came back together. Friendship was being reformed because we had split. You joined the Marine Corps and then you came back. True, I did that. And then you met a girl who subsequently is the the sister of the woman that I married.
0: That's true. It's a funny way that you would describe my wife. That's interesting. Well,
1: Sierra and Savannah are (laughs) sisters. Um, are. and so we were we were friend i'd say best friends in high school that ended up marrying into the same family like it's a pretty crazy set of circumstances that led to that but it is
0: the thing it that is. I would and the say problem is, is that you have like a 5 year head start on that so I yeah, yeah. when i when i had to enter into that agreement it wasn't really up to you whether or not it would happen it was like should I push this? Is this an acceptable thing to do socially? And you're just going to have to live with it, kind of. I think, I mean, at the time you were all for it. You were a little cautious of my intentions with it, but. Well, I think, think, uh, you know, it's,
1: there are some foundational things that you, you changed relative to the relationship and experiences that you had that really defined a set of morals and values that, that I have grown to appreciate from you and who you are. I think that they ran actually in line with who you are as a person anyhow, but just kinda, you know, with as far as like faith-based stuff and.
0: Yeah, so I, uh, I forced my wife to run a marathon. Uh, It was the Seattle rock and roll 2014. I remember very vividly because I have the shirt that I look at all the time and it's the only marathon that was my first marathon that I had run. I've I run two marathons, and I've never run one for a personal best. That time I was running it with the intention to pace my friend, who then became my girlfriend shortly thereafter, and then shortly thereafter became my wife. And she was going from scratch to running a marathon, similar to how Sean did, except when I laid out the... uh the commandments of that agreement. I said, we're going to train six days a week. We're going to train for six months. You cannot take days off unless they are on the schedule. You will show up, you will be on time and we will run this marathon six months from now and you will finish it and we will have no problems. And she somehow agreed to that. That doesn't sound like a very nice thing to agree to, but I think that she had some interest in running, but also in me. And, uh, so that's how we embarked on that journey. And we did exactly that. Uh, she was a trooper. She ran through some pain. I had never run a marathon either up to that point. Like we mentioned, uh, I had only run, you know, five K's in high school, but I figured I had the, the parameters of a training block and what that was supposed to look like. And when I set up the training schedule, I loosely based it on, you know, having like a, a speed day and then like a long day on the weekends and some easy days in between. So it wasn't like too much of a stretch and it was very similar to how you'd actually train for a marathon, uh, retrospectively, but
1: one quick thing I'll throw in here too, is, is that, um, my wife who had been watching me run these long distances ran a marathon, I think six months before Sierra did. And the funny thing too, was, is that my wife had run that race and then her whole, like not her whole family, but several members of her family. Like, I can't believe you ran a marathon. And her response to it was just like, it's just a marathon guys <laughs> because she had yeah. seen the other And side. even though that was
0: her first marathon, she, yeah, she had seen what you were doing and was like, this is not that big of a deal. Yeah. So anyway, we finished that. I want to say we finished it in just under five hours. And uh, I was like, oh, yeah, running's cool. Let's do that. And my wife, who was not my wife yet, was, I think, injured throughout the process. I think we probably pushed it a little bit too hard. Um, I don't remember the mileage that we got up to in that training block, but it was probably too fast of a ramp up for her. Um, But she stuck it out and she finished it. And then we romantically developed, but as far as running goes, we pretty much fell off a cliff. Um, I took time off from running cause I had no like goals. I think it was, was the thing that was stopping me from running. I was enjoying it, but I wasn't actively training for anything. So I kind of let it fall to the wayside. And then years later, I want to say it was about three years later, uh, I was, I was interested in getting back into running and I had a friend named Sean, who you might know uh, very intimately now, who said he and his dad were thinking about running the San Diego rock and roll. And I was like, oh, cool. Another marathon. This sounds fun. It'll be like a, a little adventure. We'll fly down to San Diego. He had just moved there at that point. And he was like, yeah, but I'm having trouble convincing my dad. But if you and I were both running it, we could definitely get him to like commit to it. If we're
1: being fair, I think I used that as a ploy to get you out there. And I think I did the same thing to my Mm -hmm. dad. I'm Mm -hmm. not saying that I did do that, but let's, for the record, I think I think the idea of us all three running together is what sold me, you and my dad doing it. Especially because at that point, I think Kyle had cancer. And so I was running for cancer research and St. Jude.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Kyle being your brother. And, uh, yeah, so, I I mean, I think for all of us, it was kind of like, oh, we're all going to do this together. It's an adventure. And so, like I said, this is like my second marathon, but, again, it wasn't for, like, a personal record. It was, like, to do this and have this experience. And we all signed up about six weeks out, and I'm pretty sure your dad had the most training at that point. He had been running almost exclusively on a treadmill. I think maybe exclusively on a treadmill. It wasn't exclusive
1: to the treadmill. He he would do probably... He had like a a three mile, a two, three mile route that he would run uh, down his road up this monster hill in Teo and then back down. Um, And then that was his route. And then he would also run on the treadmill.
0: Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Because I do know his, where he was living at the time was at the very, very bottom of the shoreline. And then to get anywhere more than a mile away, it was like you had to go straight up a giant, it was a giant hill. But anyway, so he had had the most training under his belt at that point. And I was like, yeah, I could put together something in about six weeks. I could probably get up to like 30 or 40 miles a week. And we'll all just run this together because we're going to be running at a really slow pace. Like it's not important. And I think you maybe did some training for that? No. No. Okay. Yeah, you just showed up on race day. I think
1: think the um, two weeks before. I ran, um, I just ran a half marathon just to make sure that everything was clicking together fine.
0: Sure. Yeah. That's, that sounds about right for you. Uh, so we all set off and my intention for this whole thing was like, let's do this together. It's going to be an adventure. So I was, I was brushed off a few times, like go on ahead. Like you're obviously faster. And. I was like, no, like, why, why, that's not the point of this. This is to have fun and like hang out together. And if I run off ahead, then we're not together anymore. But around the half marathon point of that race, I think your dad was having some hamstring issues. He has like a, yeah, a knee surgery of remember. some kind. Yeah. I think, I think they took something from like a tendon or a hamstring or something like that. And, uh, so you guys both kind of stopped and you were like, I'll stick with my dad, like clearly you're not having fun anymore. Like, why don't you just go on ahead? And I set off on that one to try to finish as fast as possible with the intention of like running at the pace that I thought we were going to be running at for the remainder of the race, which we had slowed way down from because of the injury. And, um, I definitely bonked on that race right towards the end. There's like a big hill going south on, I think it's the 805. And yeah, you're coming right through Balboa, and then you have got this big downhill. And I'm like, all right, yeah, if I, think, I can just get to the top of this. We're running on the 163. You're this running the 163. Okay. Whatever that whatever that road Back is that goes city. right in between. Back into the city through Balboa Park, right down the middle. And uh, I got to the top of the hill, and I was like, great, we made it. Now we just can cruise down this thing. And then I start heading downhill, and all of a sudden, my fingers and my toes are getting tingly and like i'm i'm having trouble like staying stable my vision is going a little bit blurry and i'm like i can't stand up straight i'm like oh, okay this is this is not going to go the way i thought it was so i got within i think i f- i found an aid station got like two gels in and tried to drink as much water as i could and then got down to the bottom pulled into the city and was Maybe a tenth of a mile from the finish line, you come around a, a city block, and it's a straight shot to the finish line, which I think is probably four or five blocks away. And there's a, a guy in a yellow uh, like event coordination shirt, and he's got both of his arms out to the sides, and he's like, "Hey, no runners past this point." You know, the the course is closed, and I'm like, I ran forty two point one kilometers. miles, whatever that is, and you're not going to let me finish? Like, what? I'm dying, man. Like, I need a banana or something because I had gotten just enough food in me to get to the finish line. Yeah, yeah. And so we have, like, hundreds of runners accumulating at this point, and we hear through, like, the radio something about an active shooter in a garage nearby and I don't have my phone on me. I have my Apple Watch at the time, which I was using to record my race, but I didn't have like uh, yeah. 3G or LTE communication on it. I left my phone in the car and I'm in San Diego which and is, my, my ride home is Sean and, and his dad. And so I have no way to communicate with them and I know they're way back there. So I'm like, maybe they'll, maybe I'll, they'll run by. Like they have to go by me at some point or maybe they'll all col- collect in the same point. And uh, so we did some shuffling for about a half an hour we they made us back up like two or three city blocks we were back on the corner of balboa i was sitting in the grass and i ended up asking a lady who had a phone who was also stopped because she was a runner if i could call one of them i don't remember if we got in contact or not no we didn't no I, you know it's funny I too my because wife we
1: were we were going when we were going up that that beast of a hill yeah the the people were basically telling us to just go ahead and stop and go ahead and walk because the race was, was the end was canceled. So we're kind of like, just kind of shuffling along. And, uh, I, I normally walk up hills anyhow. So I was like, this is great. I'm I'm cool with this. And we're like, they're like, oh, the race is finished. And my dad, he's never run a marathon. This is his first marathon. And he was, he was like, no, I'm finishing, (laughs) you know? And, uh he looked at me and he said let's just run it into the very last spot and we'll call it a a win at that spot you know and and so this is a guy that had been struggling with this injury the almost the whole time and he was just pushing through and you know we kind of get there and like we get a call from i think it was sierra and she's like yeah where's james and i was like he went on without us and she's like like what do you mean on without you and i was like like a half an hour ahead of us. And she's like, you know, there, there's a sh- I think we were calling in to see if they had talked to James. We, I stirred the pot cause I was like, what's going on here? Where's James? Do we know where James is at? And so I'm, I'm running down. I was like, I killed, I killed my friend. I killed my friend. I was, I was sure you we were fine, it. but I, it was like the moment we were like, just trying to figure out where everybody's at. And, uh, but yeah, I remember you, you are like, we, I think we crossed the finish line before you, didn't we?
0: Um, no. So I think you guys crossed oh, a minute like or something four minutes after me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. But but at you that point it was like work. four and a half hours. Yeah. And I had sat at the finish line waiting to cross for like an hour and a half. And then they finally reopened it and you guys came cruising through. And I realized, like, after we had all gotten back together and found each other, I found you guys, like, in the the finishing area, like, sitting on a hill or something. Or you found me or whatever it was. Yeah, we ran into and each other, I think. Yeah, whatever. We finished out the day, and we all got a ride home together, and it was all great. But we looked at the finishing times, like, because I hadn't crossed the finish line, I just sat there for an hour and a half before I finally got to cross. And you guys were, like, four minutes behind me or, like, two minutes ahead of me or whatever it was. And it was like... I can't believe I did all that work to get way back up there, and then you guys just waltzed in. Like, obviously, it didn't matter to me that much. Like, the whole thing was like the experience of going out with you guys and having a fun time. But at the same time, my secondary goal, and as soon as I split from you guys, my goal was let's get as big of a PR as we can because at the time, my PR, my official technical PR, was just under five hours, which is the marathon that I had done with which Sierra. Which you still got. Which I did, yeah. I got like a 426 or something like that. So technically I PR'd, but nowhere near what my actual capability was. So I mean, we'll never know. Yeah. (laughs) So from there I wanted to build fitness and I wanted to keep doing running. I just had no idea what I wanted to do as far as goals. And that's when like the ultra running thing started to become a realistic possibility. I was like, marathon, I could run ultras. I like running on trails way better anyway. So, I think I had signed up for the Y East Hal 50K. And I was like, Sean was like, Yeah, you could probably do like a 50 mile or 100K. Like, just do whatever you feel like doing. Like, what's an interesting grace to you? And I was like, I'm going to start with the smallest ultramarathon you can technically do and work up from there. And I have no, like, well, I, I would say that audacious s- goals. S- so,
1: I hear you. And I'll just say for the record, too, like, I really. I really have an admiration for how you plan things out and you you have these goals and you set things out my intention there was not to when i ran my first hundred miler it was like pine to palm when i ran pine to palm which i'll say was my probably my my first hundred miler uh, where i ran for sean i had such an an accomplished feeling at the end of that that it's like that's something that i wanted to share for not necessarily to share with you, but for you to actually get on your own. So for me, I was like, "There's no reason to slow ball this. You train way more than I do. You have this thing figured out. You uh, and I. Part of the reason that you you are successful in the in the running capacity that you are is the way that you do things. But for me, I you said, uh, "Well, let's see if I could do." You kept saying, "Let's see. It. Let's let's see if I could do a, a 50k and let's see how that goes." And in my mind, I'm like, "You're gonna be just fine." <laughs>
0: Right, yeah. And I think we've figured out now after dissecting this a lot, and not just this instance, but kind of training and, and setting goals in general, is when I say, let's see if I can do it. What I mean is, let's see if I can do it to the best of my ability. Let's see just how good I can do it you know, over a certain amount of time. And when you say, let's see if we can do it, it literally means, can I accomplish this at the bare minimum? Is it achievable technically? Mm. Right. So for me, when I committed to running my first 50K, it was like an 18-month project or something where I decided I'm going to do this. We need to train to get to a level where I'm going to perform well at this because I want to see, like, ballpark what my capability is. And I'm not just going to go into it hoping to walk it in, right? So I did that. I didn't have the best race. I definitely underfueled throughout I, I'll it. I'll it also a say great too, race.
1: I was supposed to run with you.
0: You were. You did you signed up for it. Yeah, you paid for it and you never came. Oh, I and didn't it was, come
1: because there was a conflict in an event that we had that we had to go you, to. So
0: Yeah, you had outside pressure and I also know that at this time. Your wife was not super enthusiastic about the time you were spending away from your family because you were interested in ultra running because you just had a baby, right? Okay.
1: In her defense, the amount of time that I was spending away was not a qualification of me actually being interested in something. So it was more like you're spending X amount of time, but I know you're not actually working that hard at what you're doing. Like you're, you're. You're not dedicated. You're not acting in a mindset that I know when I see. Because when I do things, not not to toot my horn, I if I actually decide that I'm going to do something and I give it a, a ton of effort, it usually works out really well. And so she was seeing me in this capacity where she goes, you're not actually trying that hard. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. And she's like, so you're spending this time away from our family and you're not going to try that hard. And I'm like,
0: uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I mean, but that's fair, yeah, so she she felt that the time invested and in it wasn't worth the outcome, and I, i'm not you know I'm not trying to make her sound like the bad guy here. she saw she values you a lot, and so she wanted you to be around the family, and like you said, yeah the the effort level you were putting into it for the return you were getting wasn't worth it for her, and she was trying to communicate that to you, so yeah. you missed out on that race, and at the time. I had, I think I gave myself six weeks or something. And then I was signed up for another race. Another 50K. I want to say something like that. Or maybe it was like, it was another 50K, yeah. No, it was in September. So it was July to September. So it was, I was taking like two weeks off. I had like a six week training block and then another two week taper. And then I was ready for the second one. And I think I did that because I knew I was going to, make mistakes. And so my goal was to take what I had learned in the first one, kind of revamp and use the training I already had under my belt to go into the second one and do it better. Which is exactly what I did. Like I had a I think a little bit of an injury that was kind of bothering me, but I could still run through no problem. And I think the the big issues that I had had with that race were all nutrition and water and a little bit of pacing, but not really pacing. Um and so it was it was the backcountry rise, which is another 50k in the Mount St. Helens area. Mount St. Helens? Yeah, Mount St. Helens area. Which is a really cool race. And I think a a lot of the inspiration for kind of how I'm trying to put these races on that we're doing, because the night before you come at like 5 PM, everybody camps in the parking lot, and you go in for like a spaghetti dinner. They had like some videos playing. They have like the Y East Wolf Pack is a sponsor for that race. And they're like a running company out of the Portland area. And it was like a really cool, inclusive time. And I knew I was going there by myself and, you know, taking no family because I was sleeping in the back of our 2002 Ford Escape. So I didn't intend to bring anyone with me. I slept next to a cooler that I spooned with. And it was like, go try to make some friends or something but really it's just about the experience and that's an incredible race like the the views are out of this world you're running like right up next to the the crater of Mount St Helens you can see right into it and so i finished that i learned a lot more about me and about running and i knew from there that i wanted to ramp up the distance a little bit more my intention was to take probably like a five-year span to go from the 50K to the 100-mile distance because I've heard and kind of appreciate the advice that you shouldn't blow through all the distances. You should kind of appreciate each one as you graduate to it because it's not really about getting to the end goal. It's about enjoying the process of, of learning each new distance as you tackle it. And so my next race, of course, after that was to sign up for Bandera 100K, completely blow through the 50-mile thing and do it, was it like six months after the 50K? I think at that point I was just itching. I I had a taste of ultras and was like, let's just do an ultra. These are epic experiences. I know I'm capable of a lot more, and I just want to be – in that environment. I really love the people. I love how this environment works. I love the the camaraderie and hearing stories and talking with people. The first 50K that I did, the East the how I had met like two or three people and we all basically ran most of the race together and we were all from different places, all got to know each other. And it was like a really cool experience to just run with complete strangers. And by the end of it, it feel like they were people that I needed to stay connected with in some capacity. So of course we're all like Strava friends now and everything. But um, So I set my goal to increase my, my mileage. I think at that point I was running about 50 miles a week, 80K a week, and trying to push up into like 100K a week, 110, 120. And I think I got there a little bit, but for the most part... Stayed around that 80K, uh, just nursing some injuries, trying not to push it too hard. And I finally convinced you around November of last year to sign up for it and we just wing it. And I was like, great, that gives you like three months to train. You'll get everything like back into shape. We'll have a good time out there. It'll be an adventure, right? Like, this is what I'm always pursuing with these races. I'm always pursuing like the adventure, the experience, trying to go out and and create something that's truly unique and doesn't follow the mundane pattern of the everyday life. Which I think is, is kind of how we ended up in this.
1: Well, there's, in a, this there's a little bit of a jump there, too. Is, is that after you finished your second 50K, you kind of – there was an idea that I had maybe two years back. And that was to start my own race company and put on my own races. And I had this vision for a race company you know, uh, a race adventure experience, you know, take some, take all the good things that I've seen in lots of great races from great race directors, and then also add our own like high caliber, um, variable to it, at least as, as the best that you can do with, with those races. And I think it was after your second race, you're like, could we actually make this, you know, you know, are you, you basically, you said, was this a, a fluke idea of yours or you would you actually be serious and and to spend the time and the effort and the energy to make this a real thing and and i think that we came up with the idea that we would poke the bear and uh we would see if we could even how the whole race thing fleshed out you know and and uh we basically went to town interviewing sitting down with people like a scott mills in a, in a BJ and a Dan page, uh, over at the, Uhari 100, um, you know, and BJ of San Diego, 100 Scott mills of surf and, um,
0: you know, uh, I, Roger, what's Rogers last name?
1: Oh, uh, Roger, uh, Michael Mikhail. uh, uh, he used to own evergreen trail running, which is yeah. now owned by someone else, but we, yeah, we were at the evergreen state fair. Uh, when I, I feel like that's, that was the conversation that clicked where he basically laid out the simplicity around the ultra community and he's like, it's, it's low risk. It's high, high reward. You're going to work your butt off, but it'll all be worth it. The races are profitable. And he, to be honest, we were like, uh, we were like, this is the community of people that we want to serve on anyhow. And you're telling us we can make money at the same time. You know, and and he was a dude that I would say that um, just took care of people really well. So he's kind of the the idea of like, he's like, you can make money as long as you're giving people a high quality product and you put them first, you know, and it's like, I've heard the the adage is that um, uh, the accumulation of wealth is is directly proportional on the amount of people you can serve on. And so the more people we can serve on, the better. And I think that it was that conversation where we went, we, we basically said, let's start a company. And then we went, where are we going to put our first race?
0: Yeah. Cause at the time you were in San Diego and I was still in Washington and, and, and I'm still in Washington. The first part
1: was going to be a hybrid. We were going to do some races in, in Washington and then some races
0: in. So well, that California. was your idea.
1: Yeah. Cause the original idea that I had was, is that we could have some races in Washington because that's where I came from. That's where my ultra, I would say. That's where my all my friends that I have built, like you built some friends, I have built most of my friendships in running down there initially, and or up there initially. So it was like, okay, we could I could put on a race and we'll have at least ten runners.
0: <laughs> <'Cause then laughs> yeah, I've, right. Because you can convince your friends to come out for it. Yeah, and yeah, so but we both love the area. We both love the trails out there. We know them really well. And so it was what we like grew up we. On. Yeah, we have a good infrastructure that we can build on here. But you were down in San Diego, and we were looking at the two markets, and we decided, like, there's a lot of opportunity in San Diego. That's to, reason. In Seattle. Yeah, to tap into trails that people don't necessarily know about or use. And we kind of lucked into our first race. Yeah, that's true. In that exact way. And the, the other
1: way. thing I'll throw out, too, is – Anytime that we decided we were going to put on a race, we have a a QA system that we go through. We make sure that nobody else in our area is putting on a race in that area, right? And so it's like we've been really, really cautious cautious to try and put on a race that we can research. I I mean, I'm sure that the ranch happened during a day that someone else's race was happening, but we tried to make sure that it wasn't someone who we directly affected and took business away from and, um, you know, in, in those capacities, like we weren't, uh, I know that there was a race the next day, uh, that was put on. Um, but it was for a whole different, uh, genre of runner. I mean, I think we both shared one distance, which is the half marathon, but, you know, we really try to put on races in like that don't take away from the community. And when we were, when originally, when I was trying to figure out how to put a race on in Washington it was like every weekend there's a race in our community in that group and anything that we tried to do um because we had uh uh the w- way back home is that what home home sweet home back home home
0: sweet home 50k i think it's gonna be a 55k because i couldn't get it down to a 50k
1: and it was uh it was just a struggle to try and find out one there's another race that runs in that area uh not in that exact area but in a similar area to to the the course that we're trying to put on and they're a brand new running company so we didn't want to take away from their their startup really and then on the second end it was like what weekend are you going to put it on because every weekend's taken and so down here in the southern california area um we were able to find just a, a healthier balance. there's a ton of stuff going on but we can sneak a race in here or there and it won't affect the community of runners and the race directors that work really really hard to put on great events for other um
0: for, for runners. Yeah. So I think, I mean, second wind trail running in its core is about building up the community. It's about like making sure that the race product that we put out is, is not just thrown together because we both value how people come together at this type of experience. And so tell, tell me a little bit about kind of what our philosophy is, what, what it is that we try to do that might set us apart from other races in the area.
1: Yeah. Well, I would say that we are, we're not a better, the, to say the word better is not uh, the right word, but. Oh, sorry.
0: Superior. Superior. Superior.
1: Um, I would say (laughs) that what we're trying to do is there. So in the Southern California area, there's these incredible races that have this long history of just producing high, great races for people. And we saw, uh, an element to, I'd say second win has an element to it. That is where we saw these extra little things that just make a, an event go from good to great. And the whole idea behind what we're doing is we're trying to serve on the community. We're giving trail work opportunities to to uh, facilitate trail work requirements for other races. We're also we're we're serving at every race. You know, the, uh, in the last year, I, I've I've helped. I've given time at Kuyamaka. Me and my daughter both. We've we've given time at Kuyamaka. We've given time at um, uh, the Turkey Burner. We've given time at. Uh, ABC 50, we've given time at, uh, you know, I, I, I ran San Diego uh, 100 miler and I got 49 miles into it. Um, and I'll talk about that too, because uh, I think that, that was a huge aspect to, that was in June of the, actually, I, that, that's a sidestep that I like to, you know, when I ran San Diego 100 miler, I was running with John and Lynn again, because they came down to run it and I decided just on a whim that I was going to do that. And that was kind of my intro back into running and uh i forgot about that but it was i ran this race and i just saw this incredible community of people in this in the san diego area coming together serving i was done at like mile 38 and this these group of people i forget what the aid station is but um they basically brought me back to life it was probably mile 40 actually mile 40 42 somewhere in that range i just saw this group of people like no you got this man because i was riding the the um no running by the way no training for this but i i uh i kind of just jumped into it and did it and uh i i got to the end of it and i was like this these are the people that i forgot these people i forgot that these are the the people that i that i like the people i am that that move me to be better and i got cut at mile 48 and uh we came in and we were screaming in and we came in at uh, two minutes after cutoff and, uh, they pulled us and they, and rightfully so. I mean, we, that's the other thing you gotta remember too, In any kind of race that we're going to do in any kind of race that's out there is those aid station captains, are going to make hard calls and that, you know, and, and if A an station like for me is if, an, if I have an aid station captain that says a certain thing, I'm going to back that aid station captain. doesn't matter who he said it to or what was done. Um, you know, that that's the way it goes and you got to respect, you got to respect the volunteers because if you don't respect your volunteers, you don't have volunteers. <laughs> um, yeah,
0: I, I don't think any anyone in a, in a position to make a call to end a racer's day wants to make that call. But at the end of the day, it's about safety and it's about making sure that everyone has good experience that no one's left out there that we're not endangering anyone. You know, it's an endurance sport. It's an extreme sport for sure. Yeah. Like people think that people who run ultra marathons are pretty crazy, but we want to do it in the safest way possible. But, and so to end yeah. someone's day is never a, a an exciting decision, but it's something that has to happen to make sure that that race goes the, the way that it needs to, to continue to exist.
1: Yeah. And I think that the only reason I was bringing that up is, is that I came out of that race going, what a, what an awesome race. This is something I want to do. I want to do events like this. And so San Diego, 100, uh, uh, hats off to, uh, BJ and Angela and Scott Mills and the other people that have put on that organization, it's like, It's the whole reason where I was, I was when you, when we came together with the idea after you finished your first 50 K or your second 50 K, I'm sorry. And you came up with this idea. I had just had this incredible, um, exposure back into the community. And that's ultimately why we came up with the idea of the philosophy around having these awesome races that add value to the community that, that lift the runners that elevate the runners. I mean, you look at some of our races that we've got coming up in the series and you go, these are really tough races. We want to build runners to be the best that they can be. And you know, some of that's elevation, some of that's distance, some of that's cutoff times. Um, but we're trying, we're trying to be a a race company that, that elevates a community of runners.
0: Yeah. So I think, I mean. I was joking about us being superior. I think it's more just our, our personal twist on how we put on races. And I, I think we're we're kind of a blend. You know, we've talked about it before, but if you look at the community, there's kind of an old guard that grew up with the running scene, uh, trail running, you know, originated probably back in the 70s. And those are the people who are like, let's grab some milk jugs, fill them with water, tape them to our hands. And we'll see you at the finish line. And at the end of it, we'll have a barbecue and hang out with our friends. That's what ultramarathon trail running is supposed to be about. And then there's like the new guard of this is a corporate thing. We can turn this into a money-making industrial machine and we'll have corporate sponsors and we'll have prize money given out. right? And the old guard looks at that and says, that's not how this is supposed to be. It doesn't feel organic. It doesn't build up the community. You know, it, it doesn't make people feel the same way about ultra running that it should. And so our, our goal is to keep as much of the old community as possible, not physically keep the old community, but to, to keep that atmosphere of making people feel welcome and making people feel like this is, these are the people that they want to be around when they do a trail race because it's not just about the run it's not just about finishing and it's not about showing off your new solomon shoes it's about making sure that everyone finishes together that we're building people up that we're having a great experience so um with that do we have do we have any information that we want to give out about future races. We just finished the ranch, and I think we're going to save that for a different podcast uh, because we'd like to go in a lot of depth about the things that went right and wrong. Obviously, it was our first race that we directed exclusively by ourselves, Second Wind Trail Running. Sean, I know you've helped out a lot at other races in official and unofficial capacities, so you have an idea of what race directing is supposed to look like, but the training wheels were off for this one. And so a lot of things went right. Well, I mean, we a lot Scott Mills,
1: so. We did have Scott Mills, yeah.
0: So we had, with training wheels were off, but we had those bumpers on the sides of uh, yeah, bowling. Yeah, we had, we had those yeah. bumpers on the lane. Yeah. So he, I mean, I was watching that guy a couple of times when we had our race and I, I think we should move away from it. But there were things that I was just watching him do that I was like, if he hadn't stepped in to do that this problem would have just ballooned into so much bigger of a mess because we didn't realize that it was going to be a problem. And so he really, he really came in in the clutch and, uh, it was awesome. So, so why don't we, why don't we wrap up for today with just a little bit about the podcast and a little bit about what kind of content we want to bring here, what kind of things we want to talk about. This was a little bit more about us and I mean, it was a lot about us. And it was just an introductory episode to to give you some background so that you know who the people are who are talking, but it's not going to be um, descriptive of exactly what this podcast should be. We want to talk more about we want to be in the ultra community, but we want to talk about races. We want to talk about people. we want to have personalities on. Um, so tell us tell us a little bit about what what kinds of things that you yeah. want to have content wise on here so, so that people so know two to things expect.
1: I interrupted a story and if you want to check out how Bandera went and that journey that we have we have a YouTube channel that has the video on it check out Bandera 100k it was a lot of fun we flew in we we kicked butt uh, I, I hobbled in you gracefully finished um, but uh, yeah so we didn't get to finish that story but just check out the video it's pretty good and then um, you know when it comes to Uh, what this podcast is about, you know, our goal is, is that we're going to elevate the community with the podcast and we'll talk about some of our races and, and how we are going to move forward with them and we'll do race recaps, we're also going to do pre-race interviews. Um, we're going to try and sit down with some people that have signed up in our races and just have a reflection with them about the race and their experience. Um, we're also going to be bringing in people that, that don't necessarily run the races or some do, and, uh, but some don't put on races and, uh, they still add value to the community. Um, you know, companies like Elevation Culture, we're hoping to get some of the people from there on here and just have them talk about the aspect that they add to the community. Um, uh, because you know, a race isn't just a race. It's, it's a medal. It's, it's, it's a course. It's, it's, a it's, um people that are flagging the course. It's the competitors that you compete against. It's the vendors that you bring in. It's the, um, it's the race directors, it's their volunteers, it's the other race directors that come in and add support to the races in the community. And so we'd like to get kind of that, that functional, uh, uh, conglomerate. And that's one aspect is the whole race and everything that comes around it. But we're also going to be bringing in, um, hopefully to bring in people that are experts in certain different areas, like whether it comes to nutrition, you know, I know that that's hit or miss on nutrition, but we feel an exposure to a lot of different things will help you narrow in what's best for you. But also, you know, physical trainers, uh, medical professionals, um, even, you know, maybe bringing in some of the people that, that like EMTs that work these races and things that you should look out for. Um, bring in some other people, like maybe they're not elite runners, but they're people like a like a John Shark who runs 10, 1500s a year and, and what that kind of looks like, you know, to put a race schedule together and the training that goes on in that and, and building that endurance to run those mini miles and then maybe just experts uh in in the community you know we there are other people like an rei and bring an rei in and having them talk about what they're going to do for you know the community and the trails and things like that so and maybe some shoe companies like milestone running and
0: and since it's very uh, tender to us right now because everything we're doing is brand new Uh, we also wanted to do some race spotlights. I think there's some races that are already prolific that we want to kind of hit on and give our, our personal take on, but also any new races that are coming in the area or any new ones that are jumping up that are popping out and catching our attention. Um, one that always stands out to me and last year was, I believe their first running the Whistler Alpine medal put on by uh, Gary Robbins and crew, um, and I know Jamil Curry of Aero Viper Running loves to put on new races, but he also loves to run inaugural 100-milers. And uh, so he put out some videos about the, the Whistler Alpine Meadow 100-miler, uh, which I think is like 170K, so just over 100 miles, 110, 108 miles or something crazy like that. But uh, So highlighting those, but also bringing to your attention the, the new races that we have going on, um, we have not officially launched it, although we do have some registrations for it. Our next race coming up is at the end of December. It's right after Christmas. It's called Root or Or Running running Out of Time. It's it's a 24-hour, 12-hour, and 5K race uh, in the Lake Miramar area. You can go to our website, secondwindtrailrunning.com, all one word, and uh, it's in the races tab. With the goal of having the 5K people have one last chance to get a PR uh, before the year is out so they can officially say that that was their PR for whatever year they choose to run it, 12-hour uh, people hopefully shooting for 50 miles. But we also know that technically there are some people who are capable of running more than 50 miles in 12 hours. Is There, a, there are a few who can run 100 miles in under 12 hours, right?
1: There's, like a, there's a handful, maybe half a dozen people in the country that can run 100 miles in 12 hours. Yeah,
0: Zach Bitter is the only name that comes to mind, but technically can do it. So if that's a goal you want to shoot for, that you can. But we also have a much more flexible time cutoff of 24 hours to get 100 miles uh, if you think that that's something that would entertain you. And uh, we're going to be putting that one on at the end of 2020 this year. So look for official announcements about that. Um, but check out the race website, and uh, it is open for registration. We just know with COVID nineteen going down, and our official permitting not a f- not completely done yet because we are not allowed to process the permitting. Yeah, it's it has a six month window, so we can't start it until June, I believe, the end of end of June. Um, and so once we get that all taken care of, we'll officially let people know that the permitting is complete and that they are not going to be in danger. But we think by the end of December, races should be back in full swing, and we won't have to do that one virtually or remotely or anything crazy like that. Um, By the way, we just heard that Western States shut down for this year because that was in June. And then I just heard that the Berlin Marathon, which was scheduled for the last weekend of September of this year, is being pushed back. So I know that's Germany and that's a totally different, uh, frame of reference. So that doesn't have necessary bearing on what things are going to happen in California and the United States, but it is a general indicator of what could happen. Do you know if, uh, I
1: think that the hard rock was pushed back too. I'm not entirely sure on that.
0: I think you're right. Hard rock or, um, Leadville, one of the two. I know I don't know. I I
1: thought I read that Leadville is is done for the year, but I I mean that's the money maker for that town, so I assume that they'll figure out a way. But a lot of adapt adapting has to happen. What's that? What's the uh, the Bay Ridge, hundred k? I mean they yes they did something pretty cool where they they have this sign up um, where they uh, they're not sure if they'll get the permits. They put the event out there and then they charge you after you confirm that you still want to run it. And I thought that that was yeah. a really great idea. So shout out to them for for doing that. Like we both yeah. signed up for it just cause we're like, what a great, what a great idea.
0: Yeah. Dick Collins five trail. That was going to be a race that I was planning on doing at the end of September. And I was holding off because of all this stuff happening. And then they offered that. So yeah, you, you sign up, they have your card, but they won't charge you until they know that they have the permitting completed. And then they'll email you and say, Hey, did you still want to run this race? So you're basically just reserving your spot. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a really cool idea. So something we might be able to implement for our future races and something that now is occurring to me that we should have done for, real. Yeah, we already, have uh, but one
1: race too, uh, which we haven't a name for, but it's a 50 miler, um, that's in the final phases of permitting. We have a hundred miler, uh, that, uh, we have a, a soft yes for that's the Sequoia 100, which will be taking place, uh, next year in September, we think. Um, yep. We got some other races that we might be uh, onboarding. We're in a process of of uh, articulating those and figuring out some details, but uh, we're really excited to just add value, push things forward,
0: and uh, just make the best impact we can as individuals to a collective. I mean, I hope I hope that's clear in, in how we're coming across. You know, we got six races that have a lot of good momentum for being run in 2021 and then like you said another five that we're hoping to onboard um, and we really just want to make sure that we're putting on a consistent and excellent uh, race atmosphere from start to finish
1: we've had some other races too just just real quick that we have looked at where we're like we can make this happen and this is something we can put together but it's not in the capacity in the in the the quality that we intend to for all the other races. So they ended up not being something that we decided to pursue.
0: Yeah. So anything else you want to cap out before we, we call no, it a day forward, here?
1: I'm looking forward to doing the ranch recap. Yeah. Oh cool. yeah. That'll be, there may be something fun video wise that we will be adding to our repertoire of content that will be available at YouTube that we're fleshing out right now. So more things to come on that yeah, vagueness so that if we don't do it, I can bail out. <laughs> uh, that's the MO.
0: All right. Well, this has been fun. Um, look for more content. Thanks for hanging out with us. Thanks for sticking around for story time with Sean and James. And uh, we hope you know who we are a little bit better and I hope you know who we are as far as our heart and our our desire to put this on And to make good content and across diverse platforms, check us out. We're on YouTube. Uh, Just search for the channel SWTR. I think we're the most popular one on there. Get out there, start running and grind from peak to peak. Grind from peak to peak. There you go, buddy. All right, I'll see you in the next one.